Anytime we do a baptism, I believe it's critical for me to talk about the meaning of, of what we're doing. Baptism is really such a strange practice. We either dunk people under the water or we sprinkle a little bit of water over someone's head. I mean, there's really no other comparison, right? No other practice like this. We all know that baptism is important, although we're not always sure what it does. In our tradition, baptism isn't saving. It doesn't save you. Um, But it's a sign or it's a symbol. And what is it a sign or a symbol of? So I want to just take a couple minutes to talk about baptism and the meaning of baptism. Baptism we think of as something that Christians do and something that happens in the New Testament, but that's not exactly where it starts. In the Old Testament, there are rituals very similar to baptism. One is cleansing. In the Bible, there are certain instances where you had to be cleansed. If you were sick and you then got better and wanted to go back into the temple, you'd have to get cleansed. If you were around a dead body or something else that was unclean, you'd have to be washed and be made clean before you could come into the temple. In fact, this was also done if someone wanted to convert to Judaism. They had to be cleansed. They had to be washed and be born anew. In fact, this happened in two different ways in the Old Testament. Sometimes you had to be washed completely immersed. So you'd have to go into a pool of water, go under the water, and come back out. And the, the Jewish culture would have these sort of pools that would have steps leading down and then back up so that you could walk under and be under the water and then come back up. In other instances, you would just wash your hands as a symbol. In other instances, there would be times where the priest would wash you, and often they would sprinkle your head with water, either by using their hand or by using a branch like a hyssop branch. Um, So there's all these different washings in the Old Testament. There's also the practice of circumcision, which was a cutting into the skin of the covenant between God and His people. You actually marked your body as being different Chosen by God. It was done for the male children in the Jewish faith, but also done with washing if you wanted to convert and be a part of the Jewish people. In the New Testament, these practices are are wrapped up in this idea of baptism. John the Baptist, the famous one who sort of we know is getting this started, does a baptism of repentance where you say you're sorry and you turn from your old ways to your new ways. And so John the Baptist calls for people to do this. In Jesus, the symbol comes a little bit different. A symbol of new life, of being born again, of dying with Christ and being risen with Christ. In fact, the early church felt this was such a strong symbol of new life that they would often change their names as part of the process. So in, in our, in our uh, baptism today, you're going to hear me ask, What is the Christian name of this child? Because you could actually change your name. They saw it as such a new life that you got in your baptism that you needed a new name, a Christian name, to represent that change. Probably in the Bible, no place says this stronger than in Romans chapter 6, starting in verse 3. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, 
we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in death like in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Paul says we die with Christ. And sprinkling doesn't quite get the symbol the same way that dunking, although we don't have a pool to, to dunk here, we can do that kind of baptism. But the symbol's better in a, in a dunk, because in an immersion, because what you do is you die. And you go down into the grave with Christ, and you're buried with Christ. And when you come out, you come out anew. In fact, for the symbol to really work, you, think you almost got to hold a person down, right? Now hold them down there a little bit. So when they come out and they gasp for air, it's like gasping for new life. That's the symbol of baptism. Even the word baptize means it carries some of this imagery. The Greek word is baptizo. It's not even a translated word. It's what's called a transliterated word. They just took the Greek word and made it English. Baptizo to baptize. It means to plunge, immerse, inundate or drench the word is used of shipwrecks that when it, when a shipwrecks and it finally sinks into the sea and the sea consumes the ship the ship is then baptized it's used actually of drunkenness in the greek language you're so inundated you're so full of alcohol that you're drunk you're baptized we don't use it like that anymore but that's the understanding have you ever been totally soaked in a torrential downpour? You ever gotten that wet? You just get soaked all the way down. Your socks are soaking wet. Everything's wet. That's baptized. To be totally soaked, drowned, and consumed by Jesus. That your life is anew because of it. For us, that kind of relationship to Jesus does not come about because of our free choice. We only know Christ like that if Christ first calls us. Yes, we need to make a decision to follow Christ. But I've never met someone who just suddenly woke up and decided to follow Christ. Every testimony I've ever heard involved God calling them. God moving in circumstances, moving in other people's lives, moving through the church to call them, to woo them to himself. So today we're going to do two baptisms. We're going to do an adult baptism of someone who's going to claim those truths as their own. But we're also going to do a baptism on a baby. And what we're doing in that baptism is claiming that for little Evangeline, when the time is right, she's going to believe and she's going to make that choice. But we're claiming as a church, and especially claiming as her parents, that God's going to woo her. That God's going to lead her to himself as she gets older. Someday she'll make that choice, but we're going to help that choice by raising her up in, to make that choice. And we're going to do everything we can in prayer and in care to bring her into that kingdom. It's really a powerful and a special symbol. It's one of the best things I get to do as a pastor. And it's one of the coolest expressions of who we are as a church. That we make this claim with a family. And here's my challenge for you this morning. Most of you here were baptized. If you weren't baptized, talk to me and we can take care of that. But most of you were baptized at some point. Remember your baptism. Maybe you were a baby and you don't remember. But, but, but as we do this baptism today, think of the symbols. Think of those promises because they're your promises. 
And if you're in this church and God has worked on your life and now you believe he was faithful to those promises, even if they were made as an infant, that he wooed you, that he drew you to himself. Remember your baptism. And I encourage you, and we're just, we're trying to collect all the dates for this. I encourage you to celebrate your baptism day. It's kind of like your spiritual birthday. When is it? Celebrate it with your kids and with your grandkids. What were their spiritual birthdays? As you witness this great symbol of our faith, remember the imagery. For these same promises are yours as well.